0: Can you recall, just try to recall for a minute, can you recall the names of those who helped lead you to Jesus Christ as your Lord? Was anyone influential in that? Not always. Sometimes God just reveals that to us, or we're reading the Word or whatever. But do you you recall the names of those who might have been instrumental in that? Perhaps they've long gone on. That's the case for me. They left planet Earth a long time ago. But just think about this for a minute. How much joy do you think it would bring to those people who invested in our lives to see that we have become devoted followers of Christ? What a blessing that would be. And being a devoted follower of Christ includes uh, a lot of different biblical principles and areas of our life. And we wrap that up in the word stewardship. And even we think about the biblical principles of stewardship. Why? Because they exemplify faith and faithfulness and generosity. And we just saying, great is thy faithfulness. So we, we, we take the example from the Lord and see how I think easy it can be for us to be faithful as we look at our faithful God. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. John Maxwell asked some pointed questions a number of years ago, and I want to share them with you. It really makes me think. Maybe it'll make you think this morning as well. What would happen if we saw giving as a way of investing? Have you ever thought of that? Think about that question for a minute. If we gave our giving portfolio the same attention as we give our retirement portfolio... Okay, stop, John Maxwell, you've gone to meddling now. Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? What would happen, he says, if we stopped asking, how much do I have to give? And started asking, how much can I invest in eternity by giving? How would our lives change if we became aware of the rewards of faithfully investing our resources? Just think about that for a moment in your life and those that have influenced you. I think of mom and dad who are gone now, yet that didn't stop my giving portfolio from continuing. I shared with you, I think it was last week, about the little envelope system that I learned when I was a paper boy and a part-time janitor and, and, and how to give God first, the first fruits, the tithe, all those kind of things, and so it continues on and maybe it does for you. You know, I felt a heavy weight of preaching on generosity. Some of you as well, right? They're like, come on, get on with it, preacher. All right? Not only are we doing a sermon on generosity, we're doing a series on generosity. Hang in there. If you're here today, you can look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to get through week three or four. Go ahead and do that. Share it with your neighbor and say, I'm, I might make it. I'm at 75% already. One more week to go. But I, I, I just, there's such a conviction To teach this area of discipleship. And so I share it even with a a heavy weight knowing that that it might be an issue for some people as they deal with that. I want to say something to you up front though, church, and you don't hear it enough from us. We we have been celebrating things, haven't we? We're learning how to celebrate again and celebrate things. I want to tell you, thank you, church, for being generous. Obviously, many of you are generous, and you understand giving to your local church and other areas, and I'm so grateful for that. Sam, in his way of doing things, he uh, takes all the weeks of giving, the church does throughout the year, right? And if you look at, I, I'm, if I get it wrong, Sam, tell me later, but we look at historical giving patterns, and he can kind of rank, like this Sunday, it should be around this much based on the bu- budget, and this Sunday, you know, first Sundays are more always, and maybe that fourth Sunday is left, and so uh, we had six of nine weeks of over-budget giving, isn't that Amazing. Uh, That's COVID, more people online than in person, just all kinds of stuff. And then Sam told me, but the the biggest Sunday of the year, according to the Sam Mock uh, periodic tables or whatever, I don't know whatever it is, was March 7th last week. 78,000. I said, what? Where do you get that? That's way above if you just slice up the budget in 52 weeks, right? Well, God is good and you're generous. Guess what happened? We are now seven of ten weeks over and above the budget giving, including that crazy number. Oh, it gets better. He told me that, and I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. So we made it to 78,000. No, we didn't. We went over 100,000. Oh. Praise the Lord. I say that not to, to say to anyone or or anyone listening online or out in the world, look at us, how much we give or we have money. No, it's generosity. It's following the Lord and what a blessing that is. And I wanted to just brag on you for a moment and just say thank you for your generosity. Obviously, a number of us get it. Now, why teach on this? Well, number one, there's obedience that is required, right? You've heard me say it before. Most Baptists are biblically educated, far beyond their level of obedience. Hello, right? You don't need to hear another sermon, do you? You don't necessarily need to go to another Bible study. They're important, and we should do that, right? Well, we got enough stuff that's been, if we've been a sponge, we have enough stuff. It's the question of obeying. And so, Lord, help us to obey in this area. And help us to understand that it is part of our worship to you, and we give it to you. Well, let's go on, and I'm talking about extravagant generosity today. going to be in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, a few selected verses in there. And we need to note that the Bible teaches there's more than just the tithe. We dealt with that last week. We're moving on. Uh, Thank you for not sending me nasty emails. I appreciate that. Great. All right. Maybe you wanted to, but you learned. Don't hit send. Don't hit send. And I thank you for that. But there's more than just that. The Bible, it's an important thing. Jesus talks about it so much. In in Paul's writing, it talks about uh, giving so much that we can't just say, oh, that's a private thing. We won't talk about it. No, we need to. But the Bible teaches that we're called not just to the tithe, but to what I call extravagant generosity. What does that mean? It means we are to practice giving over and above the first tenth of all God gives us. And if you study the Old Testament or the New Testament, you find there was a lot more than just a tithe, wasn't there? There were tithes and tithes and tithes and offerings. New Testament, man, they were selling property and all kinds of stuff and giving it. So this is something that is very consistent throughout Scripture, and we want to look at that today. Would you pray with me? God, I feel the, the weight of the world this morning with the responsibility of preaching your word, with the task of, discipleship, with the promise of evangelism, God help us, help me, help you to speak through me, through your word, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thankfully we're not going through 2 Corinthians chapter eight and nine. So let me give you a 30,000 foot view and get several principles of generosity. I think these are in your sermon notes, but the first one is sacrificial giving. And so that's 2 Corinthians eight, one through five. We want you to know brothers about the grace of God granted to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe testing by affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed into, catch this, the wealth of their generosity. I testify that on their own according to their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves especially to the Lord, then to us by God's will. So we see a picture here right away, and we'll talk about that more in a minute, of sacrificial giving. There's a principle on biblical generosity. It's there. And then jump down to verse 12. Paul continues and he says, For if the eagerness is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. And I have listed that as reasonable giving. And that's something we won't talk about very much. Maybe you don't hear a preacher hardly ever talk about that. I don't believe God would lead you to be so extravagantly generous that you immediately went into bankruptcy. I, I just, I, that just doesn't commute, uh, that compute with me exactly. So, so it's reasonable here. They're giving according to what they have and, and not what they did not have. Well, let's go on, 13 through 15. We're going to see a little note here about proportional giving. It is not that there may be relief for others, And hardship for you but it is a question of equality at the present time your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may also become available for your need that there may be equality as it has been written the person who gathered much did not have too much and the person who gathered little did not have too little little proportional giving aren't you glad that uh, Let's pick someone, Bill Gates, don't shoot me, let's just say Bill Gates was a believer and uh, was giving billions of dollars to Christian causes, okay, can we just pretend for a minute? I'm really glad that that's not the standard for me, it's proportional, because I don't have a billion dollars, guys, I just want to let you know now, just in case you're looking for a loan, I don't have that, okay? Okay? So it, it's not, it's, it's the sacrifice together, it's equality, it's proportional. And I always think of, do you remember the story of the widow's mite? Yeah. What a great gift that was? Sure. So there's another little principle. Then they jump to uh, chapter 9, and we'll look at verse 5. We're going to more depth in this in a minute, but look at 9.5. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised, so that it will be ready as a gift and not an extortion. How about that? That's willing giving. It's prepared, it's ready, it's willing. And then we see the sowing and reaping again, and we've talked about this, verse six. Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. And then finally, the one more principle I want us to see is in verse seven. And it's cheerful giving. Look at what it says. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it's clear to me that the Bible teaches over and over again about generosity and the world does not. Don't think that the world really teaches that. Yes, there are generous people in the world. Yes, there are people who are not believers, followers of Christ, who are generous in areas, but the world does not teach. Generosity, the Bible teaches generosity. You see, generosity is a lifestyle that gives freely. And if we're not willing to give freely in all of our life, not just our money, but all of our life, then we probably have a little issue that we need to deal with with the Lord because we are holding something back from him. Because generosity gives freely. Generosity is an investment into eternity. If you get anything today, I want you to catch that. It is an investment into eternity. It is not an investment into the world. Ministry costs money. It costs money to print Bibles. Did you know that? It costs money to send missionaries around the world. It costs money to have electricity in the church. It costs money to stream to the, the message here to those of you in, in your living rooms or in your offices or wherever you might be. It costs money. And it's okay. Because if we give correctly, it's an investment in God's work, the Lord's work, it's eternity and not in the world. Randy Alcorn has helped me in this area. Have anybody read any of his stuff? Very, oh, Wow, good. we got a little club going here, okay. He wrote a number of years ago, a couple decades ago almost now, The Treasure Principle. And I want to quote what he said here. I love this. He says this, Tithing isn't the ceiling of giving, it's the floor. It's not the finish line of giving, it's just the starting blocks. Ties can be the training wheels to launch us into the mindset, the skills, and the habits of extravagant giving, wow. When you're practicing extravagant generosity, you're giving freely from your heart, and you're living what I called open-handedly. All right, we're gonna do something here, we don't usually do it. Everybody put your Bible down, make two fists. Palms up, two fists. You ready? Let's go I'm going to wait till everyone does it. I, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm not going to do it, preacher. Come on. All right. Now open that right hand up. Just leave it right there. Now open that left hand up. Now slowly lift it up, about right to here, as if you're giving to God. Do you see the posture of open-handedness? OK. do one other thing for me. Make two other fists. Bring them in right here. Do you see the opposite of that? Freely giving to the Lord. No, you don't have to do that. Okay, so You guys are now, that's weird. You're now mirror, mirroring in choreography, right? No, don't do that. And then the closed hand is just a picture for us of, and I would take it a step further, maybe put, put them in my pocket, yeah. Think about that just for a minute. When we're giving, when we're doing biblical generosity, we're living open handedly instead of selfishly. Remember the principles we already talked about uh, in this uh, series. God is the owner of how much? Everything. We own what? Absolutely nothing according to Scripture. Okay? We should always live with open hands. Living like this leads us to give the first 10% of all he gives us. We've talked about that. And I think today it leads us even to the practice of extravagant generosity. So I introduced to you this ladder of generosity last week and we're going to put it up on the screen again. And there it is. So today we're not talking about first time, occasional, intentional, or tither. We're talking about extravagant, and look at that for a minute. We're moving, uh, some of us I believe God is gonna put into our hearts to move us from faithfully giving 10% of our income to our church, moving to extravagant giving, I give beyond my tithe to the church. There's no formula for that. It's whatever God leads you to do that you can do willingly and that you can do cheerfully. And so I, I want you to think about that and, and, and be thinking about that ladder. Where am I? Where's my family? What step rung am I on? And where do I want to go? Where is God leading me? Okay, so we'll just remind you of that again next week. And it's just pictures help me sometimes. Hopefully that helps you. So let's look at the context of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I know we only read a few verses, but I want you to notice something. Tithing is not mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Do you know why? I believe it's because the tithe has already been uh, established in other places of Scripture. Paul now is talking about extravagant giving, which is beyond the tithe. The focus here is upon offerings. That's what we might say. Have you heard the phrase tithe and offerings? Yeah, that's what we talk about. What does that mean? It's over and above the tithe. In context, though, we need to understand about, and we caught a little bit, we had the word the churches of Macedonia and some other words here. Let's remember the context. Paul was collecting an offering from God's people, just like we do here. Why? The church in Jerusalem at this time was going through a very challenging time. And Paul was collecting an offering for the churches to assist the churches where he had been earlier. He wasn't saying, here I am in this church, I planned this church, give to this church. No, he's collecting an offering from this church to go out there to that church. That's the context that's going on. The church at Corinth had committed support earlier in this process. And Paul had not received the money, so he's leading them by action He's leading them to give over and above their normal offering gifts. Why? For the purpose of helping other Christians, other believers, in the church in Jerusalem. Now, you remember the history of Jerusalem. We did Galatians, right? Judaizers and stuff. Not everybody's perfect in that church, but it didn't stop these new believers, these Gentile believers, Corinth, from doing what? Investing in eternity by helping out those folks. Let's remember now, Paul had received that, what we call the Macedonian call, when he was in Troyes, that's Acts 16, 6-10, if you want to read about Acts 16 about it. It's amazing, when he accepted that call, uh, eternity was impacted, ministry began to happen immediately. Do you remember the immediate audience that he had when he accepted that call? There was a conversion of Lydia, do you remember that? There was the Philippian jailer who was saved, numerous others, we could go on and on and on. And upon their conversion, these, all these Gentiles, they immediately pledged their hearts, lives, and loyalties to Jesus, and also recognized and committed to Paul as his ambassador. And in this text we're looking at, it's written at least four years after this, these believers in Macedonia, people who Paul called His joy and his crown, he he was really tracking with these folks, Philippians 4.1. They became models of sacrificial giving. What a great example for me. What a great testimony for me to look at. So the question today is, why should we practice extravagant generosity? Lamar, why? Well, let me just give you two principles that we look at today. Number one is this. Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. Hear this today, folks. If you don't hear anything else, hear this today. Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. And we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8 9. Just catch this and really let this marinate in your mind. I am not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. And then look at verse 9, chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know this. Although he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And, of course, we remember the great Philippians chapter 2 passage, how Jesus chose to come and emptied himself, and he became like us, and he lived among us. But it's a God who gives this great gift to us, Jesus It teaches us that Jesus is the grace of God given to us. Jesus was rich with the full glory of God in heaven. He was there. And yet what happened? He lowered himself. He became obedient unto death, Scripture says, even to what? Death on the cross. And he poured himself out completely, giving his all for us so that we could become rich by experiencing his grace and a personal relationship with him as our Lord and Savior. So the question today must be asked as we think about principle number one, Jesus being the greatest gift that God has given for us, is this. Have you placed your trust, your faith in Jesus? Have you repented of your sin? Have you committed to follow him the rest of your life? Nothing else matters. Your pocketbook, your bank account, the amount you give, nothing else matters if you have not done this. And we know that Scripture teaches us we come by faith to Him. It's all God, okay? He is sovereign. He, he, he pulls us beside Himself. He pulls us close to himself. In fact, today, whether you're online or right here, God has brought you to this moment, and he brings you, and he gives you, even as a gift, the faith to respond to his salvation. Amen? Anybody in here experienced that in your life? Some when you were little, some recently, some I don't know how long. Yes, we're saved. God is the one who saves us. It's the greatest gift for God, so love the world that he did what? He gave. What did he give? I like to say his one of a kind, one and only, only begotten son, Jesus. We've got to nail that down. Please do that today. Please follow God's prompting. If God is moving in your life or you don't understand what's going on, it's God. And he's doing that. And he gives his greatest gift Jesus. So when we think about anything extravagant or when we think about anything to do with generosity, we must recognize God is the giver. He gave us Jesus. God models extravagant generosity and we should be motivated to follow his example. Well, let's move on to principle number two. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to key in on verses 6 through 10, and it's this. God doesn't just command us and say, good luck. No, God is our provider. God is our provider. Verse six, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, you might want to underline that phrase in your Bible, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Please understand the law of the harvest. We know that, don't we? Sowing and reaping. It goes so much more than that, though. It is not just the law of the harvest for Christians. It is the law or the principle of generosity. What you sow, you reap. If we give sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we give generously, we reap generously. Living with open hands moves Our loving God to bless us from his bountiful supply. He owns it all. He is the provider. Wow. So when we give freely and generously, we are following God's example. And our heart is right. We learn in these verses about the free giving heart. It even says cheerful, right? You know what a better translation for that would be? You biblical scholars know, don't you? A hilarious giving right? Hilaros is the word. It means non-reluctant. I might say giddy. I don't know. Have you ever, something been hilarious and you just, boy, look, look at my face. Look, you're smiling, your eyeballs come up and everything. Yes, that, that's what he is talking about here. We learn how that can be in our heart as we give with a great attitude as we trust God. Don't forget that, as we trust God. Remember, we just read in scripture that God is able. I believe when when God sees generosity, it moves him. And his grace is overflowing. Why in the world should he work in my life and work through my life if I'm this all the time? And I'm talking about all of the stewardship, not just giving. I'm talking about my time, my talents, and my treasures. This moves God, I believe. I believe this. It doesn't mean we get rich. I, I, I am so frustrated that I have to give a disclaimer every week. But I have to because of those health and wealth preachers out there, because of those churches that just believe in this prosperity gospel. Have you heard of it? I'm not saying, um, here we go again, I'm not saying it makes you rich. What I am saying is as we give even extravagant generosity, God does what? He meets our needs and he takes care of that. Do you have that story in your life church in your family has have you given and you've given you've been generosity you've invested in eternity and God has met your needs anybody? Yes. How about this and God takes care of you? Has that happened? Yes. Yes. Here's the principle. We cannot outgive God. In a miraculous way, however he chooses to do it, he multiplies the seed that he gave us originally. Wow, anything we give, it comes from God. It comes from what God gives us anyway. Let me illustrate in this way. Do you remember uh, what Jesus taught us in Luke 6.38? You might want to jot that down, Luke 6.38. Let me read it to you. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Church, I want you to hear my heart for a minute. I want you to hear my heart for a minute. When I see God, when I see his gracious nature, his giving nature, I am moved. What about you? Sometimes I'm awestruck. Sometimes, believe it or not, I'm speechless. God creator of the universe is gracious and his nature is all about giving for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is what a gift from God I I want to not only give the first 10% but I want to give over and above I want to extend the work his work his kingdom globally that's just my heart church and I just want you to know that I I want to do more. And I am learning, each decade of my Christianity, I am learning more about generosity. And I have a helper. Do you know who my helper is? Not the Holy Spirit, Lynn Morin. She helps me to be gracious. And sometimes if I'm not uh, generous enough, I meant generous, not gracious, there's no hope for me in that area, but uh, generous, uh, she can prod me a little bit. Think about that for a minute. Maybe someone's worked in your life in that area. But I I just think it's so important. I came across a term about 20 years ago, and maybe you've heard this, and I don't throw it out for guilt, but just for some of us to consider. Have you heard about reverse tithing? Anybody heard that term? There are some people in our world that God has blessed. I, I don't know how it works, but financially. And they are working towards not giving 10%. They are working towards, guess what? living on 10% and giving away 90%. Now I don't know if anyone will ever get there, but just the idea of wanting to work towards that, I say, wow, that is amazing. Well, as we begin to wrap this up, I want us to remember something from 2 weeks ago. Do you remember King David? Do you remember when we were in 1st Chronicles? And do you remember how he practiced this extravagant generosity? And then he called the people to do the same, just like we're doing today. First Chron- Chronicles 29.3 says this, Moreover, this is David, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give, this is beyond now, I now give my personal, not his king stuff, my personal treasures of gold and silver for the house of my God, And here's the scripture, over and above all that I've provided for the holy house. This idea of building the temple. King David had already given, and then he gave over and above, according to scripture. Why? Why? Why do this? So that one day the glory of God would come to dwell in that temple. That's how it was back then. He knew he could not outgive God. He lived with open hands. What about us? I think of the people of Hoffmantown back in the 1980s that God led them to have the foresight to purchase this land and then to build these buildings and sacrificially over and above give and be generous. And I don't know about you. I am reaping what they sowed 30-something years ago. What about you? Isn't that amazing to think about? And I get excited to think, well, I can be involved in this for who knows what might happen for someone 30 years from now if the Lord doesn't return before then. How about that? So it's, it's an idea of investing into eternity. What about us? Let me ask you a couple tough questions this morning. What is stopping us from extravagant generosity? For you, is it resentment? Is it fear? Is it selfishness? Is it disobedience? Is it ignorance, just not knowing? Let me read to you, again, 2 Corinthians, verse 10, but go on and read verses 11 and 12. Now, the one, God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. As you are enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces, guess what that produces? Someone who's generous, they're thankful. It produces thanksgiving to God, through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. Wow. So we asked this morning, who is the owner and provider of everything? Who is the one who will multiply and increase? What happens when we practice generosity? Do we have a heart? That is overflowing with thankfulness to God for all he has given you. And and I would say to you this. If you can't give with thankfulness to God, keep it. I don't want it. You need to get that settled before you're involved in the finance committee. You might think something different. But, (laughs) you know, it, it brings about this thankfulness. Do we have a heart that's overflowing with thankfulness for all that God has given us? And do we believe that generosity meets the needs of other saints and followers of Jesus? As it says in the scripture here. I believe that living generously means we are living open-handedly and giving freely. And I know that's a simple, funny little illustration and picture. But I pray this week you'll think about this and this and this. Let me give you one more illustration. Some of you have heard of Mission Dignity. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have had the privilege of being, uh, my retirement, being part of what used to be called the Baptist, the annuity board. I'll get it right here in a minute. The annuity, thank you. Some of y'all are involved in that. The annuity board at the Southern Baptist Convention, which is now called Guidestone. Since my 20s. And I'm grateful for it. But many years ago, some of you will remember, back in the day, you can think of Great Depression or other times, we had many faithful servants that served. And they got about that much salary. And there was no room way back in those days for any retirement at all. Well, what Mission Dignity does, it it, it came up a, a couple decades ago. It provides financial assistance to those retired pastors, really in most cases to their widows that are in grave financial need because there was never any retirement. All they have is a little bit of Social Security. I want to tell you something. Listen to this. Do you remember 2020? Have you forgotten 2020? (laughs) Do you have any issues? Am I the only one who had issues? In 2020, it was a record year for mission dignity. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for extravagant generosity? A record $10.4 million was provided to retired pastors and their widows. Now, sometimes it's only 50 bucks or 100 bucks a month, but it's the difference sometimes being able to get the prescription or not. Do you see the picture of generosity? Oh, it gets better. Since 1997, almost $200 million has been raised from churches, from Sunday school classes, from individuals when it comes to mission dignity. It gets better than this. In addition to those monthly giving things, there are one-time needs. Such Here's a couple of examples. A pastor's widow needed new dentures. There was a retired pastor who needed new tires. So not just that systematic monthly gift, but also some of those one-time needs. Are you ready for this? Here is a picture. I read this just last week or, the, or two weeks ago, and it gave me the picture of extravagant Generosity. It's something I don't have the funds to do, but someone did. There has been a multi-million dollar donation to Mission Dignity, these one-time special needs that's been pledged for 2022 to help endow and underwrite those expense grants. That's what they call it. What an example. Someone was led to be extravagant. So I leave you with these questions today. Do I live and give by my feelings, by facts, or by faith? It's not, a, it's not a coincidence that we sang, great is thy faithfulness this morning. If I live and I give by feelings, wow. Today I may not give, right? Why? I lost an hour of sleep. Anybody? You know, or my kid did this, or... You know, I did this or whatever. Ate too too much pieces of bacon. I don't know, whatever it might be, okay? Feelings, no, but not even facts because facts just show us a bank account or a mortgage payment or you fill in the blank. But we give and live by faith. How is my attitude about giving? Is it good or bad? Let me ask you this tough question this morning. Are you resentful when generosity is mentioned? Or do you rejoice over what God is teaching us? You see, generosity is a choice we make each day. We, each day we decide, do we live with a godly heart and open hands or not? And I pray that we are working wherever you are. It matters not to me, but you're working up that ladder. And that God might leave you, lead you someday to be extravagant. And see the blessings uh, uh, of giving. Can you imagine? Multi-million dollar gift for Mission Dignity. I, I just picture all those widows and retired pastors. Some of them in their 90s that need this or that. And they'll get it because someone gave extravagantly. Ministry does cost money. But God owns everything. We don't own it. God owns it. And he's asked us to do certain things. And I believe he's asked us to do over and above to be extravagant and and I would just remind you of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions that we joined together and gave there's no way I could give 63 or whatever it was $1000 but we came together and did that what a great picture of over and above let's pray God I'm reminded right now of one thing that you are the example of giving, and you gave the greatest gift ever, Jesus. And right now, God, I want to pray. I have been praying, and I'm praying even right now. Others, God, are joining me right now. We pray for the salvation of lost souls. We pray that people would recognize that you are working in their heart and life right now. It may be a funny feeling for them. It may be a thought. It may just be a location. They're here or they're listening in their home or wherever. And that, God, you brought them to the point of salvation. And, God, I pray that you would reveal to people today this one thing. Repent, as your word says, to turn from their life, from their sin, and run to you. And with all that they have, just say, I may not get it all, God, but I trust you. You have given me the ability to recognize you're moving in my life, and I want to give my life, my sin, my all to you. God, I pray that that would happen. Lord, I pray that that would happen. God, we live in such a lost world. God, help us not to whine and gripe. Lord, help us to act to share, to testify that you have saved us and what our testimony is and that we would witness, that we would ask others, don't you want to get in on God's abundant life? So God, I pray. I pray for those who need you that have never been saved. God, you would save even even right now, God. God, I pray for those of us who know the saving grace from you. We have assurance of that, and we know. I, I pray, God, that we would open our life up to you. It's so hard, God, but that we would give every area of our life to you. For some today, God, you may be speaking about time. that some more time needs to be released to your service. For some, maybe it's a a talent, a gift, a skill that we've been hoarding and keeping to ourselves, and that you're saying, give it to me. Serve in the kingdom, in your giftedness, in your passions. And God, for some today, it's in the area of treasure. God, I just asked you to speak. I can't do it. Just speak to us about that. And we thank you, God, for your word, the principles that are 2,000 more years old, and they still are so relevant and apply to our Christian discipleship today. So, God, we ask that you would move, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray.